Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31. We're talking about passion, passion of the Christ. Last week we talked about God's passions. Tonight, titled A Passionate Life. Passionate Life. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important one? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. Amen. As, uh, as we all know, today is Resurrection Sunday. Janice is excited. That's great. Janice is just excited because she doesn't have to go to work tomorrow. Public holiday. Bonus. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a day we, we remember Jesus not just dying on the cross. And if you were there with us on Good Friday, this idea that why is, why is Good Friday called good? You know, because of what Jesus has done for us. But today we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead. And uh, what we celebrate is the victory that Jesus had over the enemy. The defeat of the enemy's greatest weapon, which is death. And uh, what Jesus says to us as he rose from the dead, he promises us the same resurrection and life for those who believe in him. I hope that you believe that as well. You know, last week we talked about passions. What are the passions of God as we get to know God? And we said that God is passionate about two things, and we summarized it in these two points. Number one, God is passionate about human beings. God is passionate about human beings, but equally God is passionate about sin in the world. He loves humans that much, but at the same level, He hates sin that much. He loves you, but He hates the sin inside of you. So how did he reconcile that inside of himself? Well, that's what Easter's all about. It's where God's passions collided on the cross. Where the death of Jesus, the death of Jesus paid the penalty for your sin, the sin that God hates so much. Jesus died and he, and he paid that penalty. He paid the death penalty that, that should have been you. But then as he rose again, it, it's where, where, where God's love for humanity is seen again, that, that one day that we would rise again and that we would be reunited with God, the Father. God is truly a passionate God. And last week, um, we finished without an application. It was this idea of just understand that that's what God is passionate about. And we spent a moment just to, I guess, just reflect and just let that sink into us. But the reality of any fact is, is that without reaction or response, uh, th th there is no faith. If you really believe something, that something has to change in your life. Uh, if you believe that this roof, well, you all came in here because you believed that this roof would not fall in. If anyone here had any doubt in, in, in the structural um, you know, strength of this roof, you would not have walked in here. And in the same way, if we really... Some people are like getting worried about the roof now, right? It's just a metaphor, guys. Just, okay. 
You know, if, if, if you really believe that God loved you so much that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die for you on the cross, then yes, you need to reflect and sit on it and think on it, but it demands a response. And the response is this. God wants us to live a life that is passionate. God wants us to live a passionate life. Can I tell you this about God? God does not like lukewarm. God does not like neither hot nor cold. He doesn't like that middle ground. In the book of Revelation, God addresses a church, a church in Laodicea, and he says this in Revelation 3.15. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. That word spit can also be translated as vomit. You know, when I read this passage, it always reminds me of Coke, Coca-Cola. I love Coke. I would even say that. It's one of my favorite food groups. Cold Coke, Icy Coke, Diet Coke. I've just, re- I've, I've just recently discovered that there is a diet caffeine-free Coke. Amazing. Amazing. But my favorite right now these days is Raspberry Coke. I think it's, the, it's out of this world. They just need to come up with a diet, caffeine-free raspberry Coke. That, that, that's, you know, that's heaven right there. But there's one, you know, and I'll, I'll drink any kind of Coke. Coke Zero, no sugar, high sugar, half sugar, whatever you want to call it. But there's one Coke that I will not drink. Warm Coke. Like, not even just room temperature Coke, but like a Coke bottle that's been left out in the sun. And it's like warm. And you can see a bit of the syrup, you know. You know, people who like coffee, you know, real coffee drinkers, not like me. I drink mockers. Supposedly that's not a real coffee. <laughs> I get no credibility for it. Anyone who's really into coffee, they, they will never drink warm, room temperature coffee. That's absurd. That's, you know... That's against the rules of real coffee drinking. It's lukewarm. It's just not what it's meant to be. And God tells us that he does not like lukewarm. Friends, if we are made in the image of God and God is a passionate God, that's what Easter is about, right? He's the passionate God and Easter is is an expression of his passion. If God is a passionate God, then we need to follow suit. And as followers of this God, we need to be passionate people. Now, let me, uh, I know some of the introverts are getting a little bit worried right now, but passionate isn't extrovert, okay? You can be an introvert and be passionate at the same time, okay? A lot of us, when when we say, oh, you know, you need to be passionate. Like some of us feel like we need to be more outgoing or, you know, we need to be more louder or, or bolder. It's not like that at all. Passion is what? It's a, it's a strong and barely controllable emotion. It's to have that kind of emotion. You can be an introvert and have that. 
how this is how your passion is expressed can differ from person to person. But at the bottom line, the bottom line is this: God did not create you to be lukewarm. He didn't create you to be mediocre. He didn't create you to be just a part of the crowd. Now we see this with God. God is not lukewarm. God, you know, the, the whole idea of Jesus dying on the cross, right? And I, I don't know if you do it. I, I do it every Easter just for myself. I don't watch the whole Passion movie, but, you know, like on YouTube, there's some amazing, like, you know, cut and paste stuff, and they put some nice music on the back of it. And, you know, I, I always watch it just to remind me of, I guess, the pain and suffering that Jesus went through. You can't tell me that what Jesus did for us was just normal or just lukewarm or just mediocre. No, it was extreme. Extreme expression of passion. And that's what God wants for us. The extent of God's passion is seen on the cross. And the question that I want us to ask ourselves today, I guess, as we move forward from last week's message is this. What is the extent of your passion for God in your life? How passionate are we about God? You know, I, I, I love sharing this message with young people. Uh, I'm heading over to a high school retreat this week, and one of the messages that I always preach at a high school message is that, that you were not created just to be normal. You were not created just to fit in. You know, in Matthew 5, Jesus tells us, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are called to influence. You are called to make a difference. That's what God has called us to do. But it's not just salt and light. It's to be salty salt or to be bright light. One that is passionate about who they are and what their purpose is. Jesus did not die on the cross to go through the suffering and the pain. Not just the physical pain, but the spiritual pain of being separated from the Father. He didn't die on the cross so that you could live a mediocre, lukewarm kind of life. The resurrection of Jesus should encourage us to live above and beyond. And really live for the one that saved us. We should dedicate our lives to him passionately because he loved us that much. The passage we read today is the greatest commandment. It's a summary of all the commandments that God has given to his people. And Jesus summarizes all the commandments into this one commandment. Love God with all, love neighbor as yourself. Love God with all. It is clear that God desires a relationship where your all is involved. God is not interested in some or a part of you, but he wants the whole thing. He wants every part of your life. We know this. We know this because of what we celebrate today. Because if God ever in his 
wisdom or ever in his life, if God ever said, you know what, I'm only going to give a part of myself to the people that I love, then we probably wouldn't be saved today. See, God was willing to go this far. He was willing to give it all. And the question that we ask tonight is, well, what about you? If we're honest, for most of us, we give God some of our lives, parts of our lives. We are passionate about God in some moments of our lives, but that passion and attention can be distracted very quickly by the things of this world or by our own circumstances. We can get fired up for God, and that fire can die out very quickly. We can... We can say that, God, we, we, want, we want to give everything to you, and yet we, we withhold things from God. Lord, I'm going to paraphrase. Lord, I offer parts of my life to you. Some things that I've been through, use it for some of your glory. See, they're words of a song that most of us live right now. God, we give you some of our life. And most of it, we, we give convenient parts of our life or the excess parts of our life. But the commandment says to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind. This is what God wants. He wants all. He wants all of you. He wants you to love him with everything you have. See, God is not questioning what do you have. Have you ever noticed that? God doesn't say, hey, how come you're not smart enough? Or how come you're not rich enough? Or how come you're not earning more money? No, he doesn't say. He says, whatever you've got, love me passionately. Wherever wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, love me passionately. So what does this look like? I just want to break the command down into the four elements, right? And where we can start to learn about how to live a life of passion for God. The first is this, love with all your Heart. Everyone say heart. 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 Your affections, your desires, your emotions. This is what God wants you to passionately be passionate about. Reserving the best of your affections and feelings for Him. To make time each day to give Him your heart and in that build intimate relationship with Him. How we love God with all of our heart is to spend time with God, sharing our innermost thoughts and desires and struggles with Him. We share the joys. We celebrate. But we also share the struggles and the breakdowns. To love God with all your heart means to give Him your heart and all that follows with it. To give Him your heart. To give him the best of your emotions. To actually feel something for God. And I was thinking about this. I was like, how, how do I put this in a very simple way? What it means to get love with all your heart is that you actually got to feel something. Now, on the Maya Briggs personality test, um, you know, I'm an I'm a, I'm a F. I am an F, right? I think I'm an F. Fail, fragile, whatever you want to call it. I'm a feeler, right? The majority of, of my life, I, I feel 
things. So, for example, my, one of our kids at church just started walking. Oh, over the moon. Was, like, it actually tugged on my heart when I watched this kid start to walk because I, I started to get emotional. I thought, wow, like, they're growing up so quick. You know, like, you, you feel something. Um, what's, what's been in the news? The, the Australian cricket team saga, I don't know if some of you, most of you don't care about cricket, but for the heavenly of us, you know, we do. You know, the, the Australian cricket team got caught cheating. It's as simple as that. Captain Steve Smith, 28-year-old, 28-year-old, right? He, he comes out, he flies back to Australia because he got kicked off the tour, and he gives his speech, and he just says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was a mistake. I'm sorry. And, 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 and he, you know, he just apologized. And his dad said, and he's losing. You see him in his face losing. Man, I, I was like tearing up for him, you know? Felt for this guy. 28. You know, the burden that he had to, you know, being the captain of an Australian cricket team. And, see, that, that's what it means to feel something. To love God with all your heart is for you to feel something for God. When you wake up in the morning, and, and I hope some of you guys are, when you wake up and you read God's Word, and whether it might be read Scripture, or whether it may just might be the psalm at the, end, at the end of read Scripture, or whatever you're doing, when you, when you think about God, when, when, when you're reading the Scripture, to actually feel something for Him. You know, we're, we're reading 1 Samuel right now, and, uh, you know, just Hannah's prayer when, when she thanks God for God gave her a son, just her heart, and, and man, just feeling that for her. That's what it means to love God with all your heart, is to feel something. Secondly, love with all your soul. Everyone say soul. All right, it's okay. We'll get better at this. Loving God with all your soul means to dedicate your life to Him. How do you want me to live my life for you today? Now, let me ask you this question. It's such a simple question, right? When's the last time you actually asked God, God, what do you want me to do today for you? Most likely, what we do is we wake up in the morning and we say, God, how are you going to help me live my life in the way that I want today? We don't really think about what God wants. We just want God to help us in what we want. To love God with all of our soul is, is to ask questions like, God, how can I use my time and my talents and my treasures in a way that honors you? To live for you. It's about finding out what God values and is important to Him and working out how we can live for that. That is how we love God with all of our soul. Jesus says in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's about inviting God into all the areas of our lives, all the areas, time, every part of your week, your talents, and your treasures. It's about inviting Him and saying, well, God, how can I live for you today? That's what it means to love with all your soul. Thirdly, love with all your mind. Everyone say mind. Okay, it's not getting better, but that's okay. 
Jesus died for you all. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if every anything, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. To love God with all your mind is to direct your thoughts to what God deems as valuable. It's to think. It's to direct our minds, our thoughts to the good things of God. Instead of trashing our minds with the things of this world. We are drawn to the things of God that remind us who we are, that show us the purpose of our lives and to affirm our identity as His children. To love God with all of our mind is to give substance and depth to the passion we have for Him. Living a life of passion is not just blindly running, but is to understand deeply the things of God because the more we know about God, the more in love we will become of Him. When's the last time you took a moment to think about God? When's the last time? Okay, okay, it's Easter weekend, so you might have done it over the weekend. Good job. It's Easter. But when's the last time you actually directed some of your thoughts towards Him? To love Him with all of our minds is to direct our thoughts to what God deems valuable. It's to think about the things God thinks about. For example, when you walk from the station down to here, right? When you see the people on the street, do you even think, or does it even cross your mind, I wonder how God sees them? You know, one of the biggest uh, motivations that, that I have within our church is that intersection right there between, uh, what is it, Archer and Victoria. I, I have sat, I've sat, or not, well, it's a bit weird sitting there, but I kind of stand there sometimes. And do you know how the traffic lights go? I do. It goes Archer first, and then it goes Victoria Avenue, and then it's all red light, and then it's pedestrian. Repeat. There are so many. There are so many times when I go past that, and as I either I'm crossing over or I'm, I'm just standing there watching. You know how many people cross over that intersection? There are so many people. And I, and what blows my mind is I just think, God, what do you think about that? In that one little square, there are times where there are more. There's sometimes there's a few hundred people just in that square. And that rotates every like six, seven minutes. And I just think, God, what do you think about those people? And I take some time to just give God some, some time to just move there. See, that's what it means to love God with all your mind. Just actually think about it. Finally, love God with all your strength. Everyone say strength. What does this mean? Is, does, this, does this mean go to the gym? Does this mean, <laughs> Popeye James says yes. 
To love God with all your strength means to persevere. How far will you go for the one you love? How much patience and understanding can you demonstrate for the one you love? See, when we talk about strength, right? We, 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 you know, straight away in our minds, we just think about weightlifting. You know, dumbbells, barbells, you know, ringing bells, whatever bells you want to, you know, whatever you do. You know, we, we think of external strength when we use that word strength. But when the Bible uses strength, it actually talks about an inner strength. An inner strength that can, that can persevere during the tough times. To love God with all your strength means to muster up all your energy to protect your relationship with God in your everyday. It means you're willing to change and sacrifice things to have Him. It means being honest and making yourself vulnerable. It means admitting when you're wrong and knowing when you need to change. To love God with all your strength means when the world is battling for your attention, when the world is pulling you away from what you love and desire, that you would remain strong. That you would remain steady. And you would fight for your relationship with God. Here's a question. When's the last time you actually fought for your relationship with God? One of the things in my marriage, uh, we've been married now for 11 years. I know. Amazing. It went so fast. One of the things that we realized early, and this is for every married couple, is this. You need to fight for your marriage because it's important. It means you need to fight to give it time. You need to fight to invest into each other, to get to know each other, to learn how to have fun together, to, to, to do things together. You, you need to fight. And you know, I didn't understand what that meant. But you know what? Unless you can fight for each other, you're going to fight against each other. And if you don't know what that means, welcome to married life. You'll get there. You fight for it because it's important. You make it a priority because it's important. You give it time because you think it's important. When someone says, hey, Steve, I'd love to catch up with you on a Thursday night, and I have to say, well, oh, I'm sorry, Thursday night, I can't because that's date night. That's my time with my wife. I fight for that relationship. When's the last time you fought for your relationship with God? You know what we're like with God? Mornings. God, I'm going to spend 30 minutes with you every morning because you are important. First, first thing on my mind, God. I'm gonna... and, 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 then, and then the alarm bell goes and sleep says just a little bit more. And what we say is, okay, sorry, God. Or You know the best one? Oh, God, I'll meet you in my dreams. Or you're, you're praying. You know, you, you got things happening in your life and you know you need the guidance and the wisdom of God. And so you go, I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend, you know, half a day praying. And so you get on your knees. Dear God. And you start to fall asleep. Or you get a message. 
How many times have you, you know, been interrupted by your friends or this world when you're trying to spend time with God? And how many times do you go, oh, yeah, God, I'll come back to you? Can I tell you now, if I did that with my wife, it wouldn't go down very well. And yet we do it to God all the time. And it's not just because we're distracted. It's because we're not strong enough. We're lacking in this inner strength. How many times do we walk away from God during times of crisis? Something goes wrong in, wrong in your life, and instead of running to God, you start blaming God? It's because we're not strong enough. You know, people, people around you start doubting God, and, and you just go, oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, me too, yeah, yeah. That's the lack of inner strength that we have. That's what it means when we love God with all of our strength. It means to stand firm, secure, regardless of what's happening around us. I want to finish by addressing two groups of people within our church today. Firstly, if you're a non-Christian, this message of Easter is an amazing message. That God who loved you but hated the sin inside of you, sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin so you didn't have to. It's an amazing concept, this idea that someone would take the penalty for you, someone would die for you. You know, if you really think about it, there's no one in this world that's like that. There's no one in this world that will lay down their life for you, maybe bar a parent to a child. Trust me. Go to your friends tomorrow and go, hey, guys, anyone want to die for me? (laughs) Try it at work. Dear manager, just wondering, would you like to lay down your life for me? (laughs) You know, try a stranger on the street. You'll have police come straight away. There's no way. Hey, I love you guys but I probably wouldn't either. But this idea that someone would die for you, someone would take the penalty for your sin, for for something that you've done wrong, I think that's enough reason for you to consider to maybe want to get to know this God. Because it's a pretty unusual thing. Now, we'd love to help you to get on this journey and love to, you know, help you to navigate through who this God is and why if, if, if that's you, please come and speak to us after. And also then for the Christian who knows that Jesus has died for you. He loved you. That's why he did it. Three days separated from God in the tomb, and then he rose again on the third morning. And he does that and he, to give us life. And the question that I want to ask you is, if that is the extent of God's passion for you, what is your response to Him? Is your life passionate about God? Is it passionate about the things God is passionate about? You know, and I really thought about this. I really, really thought about this. I was like, why do we need to be passionate? Why do we need to live a passionate life for God? What's so wrong with just leading a normal life? Look, I'll just go to uni. I'll just get a degree. I'll just get a job. I'll just get married. I'll just have a house. I'll just retire. I'll have a few kids, you know. 
What's so bad about that? What's so bad about normal? And I really wrestled with this. And it came down to this one, one idea. And it's this. You and I only get one life. We don't get another lifetime to make up for the mistakes we made. We don't get another lifetime to go, oh, okay, well, this time, well, this life, I'll leave just, you know, normal. And then the next life, woo, passionate for God. No, no. You only get one life. You only get one shot. And you know what? Here's the, here's, here's the crazy part of it all. You don't even know when it ends. The reason why God wants us to not live a lukewarm life, not to live a mediocre life, not to just live a normal life because you only get one. And He died on the cross so you could have life everlasting. You could experience fullness in heaven and on earth. And I would say it's just not good enough to live a so-so life. Now, this doesn't mean you need to become the Prime Minister of Australia, okay? And I keep telling my mum that, okay? Because she really thinks that I should. I keep telling her it's not really that good of a job. You know, this doesn't mean you need to start, like, tattooing, you know, on your forehead, Jesus is Lord and Saviour. You know, it doesn't mean that. It just means that in your situation, in your circumstance, whether it be in your family, whether it be in your home, whether it be in your school, church, workplace, to live passionately for God. To love Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's it. Because you only get one life. And one day, you'll have to stand before God. And I fear this day. I, 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 I am looking forward to this day, but I'm also fearing this day. Because the day that I get to see God face to face, man, there's so many things that I want to say. There are so many questions that I have. And God's going to ask me, account for your life. I gave you a life. I sent my one and only son to die so that you could live. So what did you do with your life? Oh, you know what, God? You know what, God? I got a good job. Pay six figures, seven figures, eight figures. I got, you should see my investment portfolio. You know, I'm, I, got, I, I own half of Box Hill. Anyone know where Box Hill is? It's a good investment area, so I've been told. I got properties in Brisbane. I got properties in Melbourne. I'm so rich, God. I bought Tasmania. <laughs> what would God say? This is what I sent my son to die for so that you could live a life of comfort and security. God is saying, please don't live a lukewarm life. Now I said, this doesn't mean go crazy, go fanatic and, you know, run out the street, Jesus is Lord and Savior, you're all going to hell if you don't believe. Like, if you, if you do that, we, we will pay for your bail later. We will bail you out, but, you know, 
It's just in your setting. It's to live a passionate life in your setting, whether you're a student, whether you're from overseas, whether, you know, you're local, whether you're working, whether you're married. Friends, my prayer this Easter is that we will reflect on what Easter means to us. That Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. To give us the opportunity of life and life everlasting. And my prayer is that not only would we know that, to receive that, to understand that, but then to respond to that. And say, God, God, if you lived passionately for me, then I want to live passionately for you. And that's my prayer for your church. Let's pray.